Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Hassan Oswald's gripping feature documentary debut, Higher Love, takes a raw look at addiction, poverty, love, and broken promises to through the life of Daryl Gant, a Camden, New Jersey native, father of eight, and a printing press operator. Daryl's raised by a single mother and strives to be a better father. His girlfriend, Nani, is the love of his life, but her crippling crack and heroin addiction is destroying any hope of a sustainable relationship. The film is called Higher Love, and we're joined today by the director of that, and that would be Hassan Oswald. Hassan, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. How did you come to this subject? Sure. Um, kind of a, a, on a superficial level. So my father is from Camden. Uh, he stayed there till his early teens. Um, that was, of course, a very different Camden, New Jersey. That was when, you know, the boomtown, Campbell's Soup, all the big factories were there. So that's kind of been instilled in me as a city. And to be honest, it's been instilled as a city to avoid. And that's how the entire country sees it. So if you notice in the first few frames of the movie, um, we take some clips from uh, a radio show, you know, just bashes Camden. And that's kind of how everyone has seen Camden for the last, you know, four decades since the boom, since the fall of the city and when the factories left. So in the back of my mind, being that my dad was always from there, it was a morbid curiosity with with this city. But this is my directorial debut, but it's also kind of my entrance into film uh, in general. So I was an English teacher right until I started filming this movie. Um, and I kind of made a drastic change into film, uh, fell in love with it, shooting kind of travel films. I was living, living abroad. Um, so Camden being only an hour and a half away from New York city was somewhere where I could shoot something with no team learning on the fly, you know, with podcasts, YouTube tutorials, learning everything about editing, camera lenses, producing. So I could film Camden because it was only an hour and a half away uh, with, and I still have family in the region that I stayed with. So I could film it for basically a zero budget and any budgetary gaps that I came up with, uh, it would, you know, come from savings or I would do, uh, I would sell my blood twice a week to kind of make ends meet. I would uh, rent cameras for, 29 days and return them on the 30th to do this kind of guerrilla producing that it was the only way I could make this film because I, there's no way anyone was going to give me a budget. That was how I came to Camden. It wasn't about the opioid epidemic at first. Um, I had actually the first weekend, two weekends I had spent filming in Flint, Michigan, um, another one of these kind of post-industrial fallen cities. And that was obviously covering the water crisis. And I was going to go around uh, to different cities. So Camden wasn't even the starting point. Uh, but when I got there, I knew that, and I met Daryl Gant, uh, well, I met Nani first and then Daryl Gant. I knew that this was a story that had to be told, not only because this city has been a drive-by city, this city has been neglect, systemically neglected for decades now, but because of the characters I'd met, I knew immediately that I was going to be in the city uh, for the foreseeable future. What gave you the the confidence? What inspired you? Because I can see in higher love that you have very good instincts, good instincts for shooting, good instincts for capturing images, for points of view, for there are all kinds of things in this film that feel like a seasoned 
um, documentary filmmaker would have made. Tell me what in sort of in your mindset was, I know I can do this. What, what, what was it that inspired you? I, I really don't have a background in film, but really I didn't even grow. I went to a school. I wasn't even allowed to watch film. So I kind of had a, a, a fresh slate uh, as far as what I liked, what I thought was good, what I found entertaining. So kind of just from that level, <clears throat> I found what I liked and what moved me. And I copied that from a film sense. Uh, whether it was a travel uh, cinematographer who I loved his fast cuts uh, or his uh, depth of field, how he only shot with a, a fixed lens, a pancake lens. Um, I found what I liked and I copied it. Okay. Uh, to be quite honest for cinematography. I would email them. I would say, how'd you come up with this? Da, 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 da. Um, so that that's how I, I kind of gained the confidence of the day-to-day -day filmmaking. As far as storytelling, so I studied English at Villanova University, but I didn't really, obviously there's no real connection there. I flirted with um, going to get my MFA in creative writing. So I have that, a bit of that in my background. And then I, I did a bunch of uh, journalism classes just as it wasn't even a concentration. It was just filling up my credits. And I just, I fell in love with journalism. I graduated. I, I, I still didn't really know what I was going to do. And I didn't use any of those skills that I learned uh, in those journalism classes. They kind of just like stayed on, on the periphery. I became an English teacher. I moved to Thailand, Barcelona, Germany. <laughs> and I, I really, I, I, I don't think I had the slightest impulse to become a filmmaker. And then GoPros came out and you could buy, you know, you could get 4K in this little thing. You don't have to worry about lenses, anything. And then iMovie came on every laptop. So that's when I started to kind of learn. And then I kind of made the connection into documentary film where, sorry, I made the connection from this new film I was doing, documentary film, into my background in journalism. And I, you know, I saw like, well, I do have this, I do have these interviewing techniques. I do have the confidence to call up somebody and ask them to tell me something that normally if the shoes were switched, I wouldn't tell them. So I do have that in me. And so I did pull finally from my, you know, $200,000 uh, education, <laughs> uh, something that I had kind of put on the shelf for years. And then the confidence just really grew from, I don't know, I think it was, I, I kind of live with the, the theory that if you believe it, they believe it. So it was faking it till I made it to the upteenth. <laughs> right. It was, I mean, I remember I didn't even know when I was in Camden the first few days, I didn't know anything, but I also didn't know what I didn't know. So I think that's what really lent to this kind of access that very few people are granted in Camden or cities like Camden. Um, and it, 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 I didn't know what I was doing wrong because I was filming there by myself. I mean, I remember I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know that I needed waivers. I mean, you should have seen our post process. It was, it was incredible <laughs> about cleaning up all my first few months there. Um, so I, I just went into it and kind of faked it till I made it. Uh, yeah. And Camden, the Camdenites embraced me with open arms. Um, they were happy that someone was finally, you know, it's been a drive-by city forever, a drive, drive, uh, flyover city forever. They've just been systemically neglected. So the fact that someone would come in and I, I lacked the, I guess, technical knowledge, but they didn't know that. And uh, I didn't show it, I guess. I, sh I acted like I should be there. And then after a few months, I belong there. Um, yeah. So that lent to confidence to, you know, 
knock on the door to the, the, the trap houses, the drug houses, um, to talk to anyone because they didn't know I didn't know what I was doing. And then eventually I started to believe it as well that, hey, this is, this is going well. I think in some ways your background is uh, in journalism or the, the time you spent around it is, is good for telling a story. Your English major background, you, you, can, you understand the structure of story and storytelling. So that, that served you well in this film, Higher Love. I want to move into our, the conversation about these people. Uh, we have Daryl Gant, we have Nani, and we have this... Uh, the other people in Nani's life who are drug addicts, who are openly shooting up heroin together, the whole thing, how you capture all this. And before you answer that question, I like the fact that you, this film is, yes, it's about these people dealing with drug addiction, but it's also about poverty. It's about opportunity, lack thereof. It's about why are these, this American city and as you mentioned, so many others like it in such a state of decline, such so neglected. And so I think that serves as a wonderful frame around this story is poverty, lack of education, lack of opportunity. Would you agree with that? Is a 100 percent. Um, we we as I mentioned, we didn't set out to make an opioid film. Um, we and I still think, yes, opioid is the, a, a driving force uh, behind pushing the narrative thread forward. But we, we didn't set out to make that film. Um, we set out to make a film about systemic neglect in cities like Camden. Um, these post-industrial uh, once boom towns that have fallen. And if you watch it, you'll notice there's really, Camden is the backdrop of, uh, on which this film takes place. But it could be these other, it could be Cleveland, it could be Flint, um, it could be Detroit. So we wanted the viewer to recognize that uh, this isn't that far of a, removed of a problem as you think. Yes, you, if you've heard about Camden, it's certainly in a negative sense, but it's, you know, it's a small city. It's not that well known, um, but it could be, you know, everyone has that experience when they pull up to a gas station in one of these cities uh, and um, someone will come up asking for money or to clean their windshield with a newspaper. Um, and it's going to be one of fear. Or when you stop on that, uh, that highway through that neglected part of town or that neglected city and someone comes up rattling their change cup, that reaction is going to be one of fear. So we wanted to make sure that while, yes, the, our characters in the city are, are struggling with the opioid epidemic, as many of these cities are, it's, it's a larger issue than that. Um, the, the obstacles that Daryl has to overcome, it's the opioid epidemic, but it's, it's, it's systemic neglect to these cities on every level um, that yes, eventually filters down to the opioid epidemic and which is seen you know, through our character's eyes. But it's, it's, it's not just the opioid epidemic, it's, it's systemic neglect in these cities. Uh, and we wanted to make sure then rather than have sit down interviews, uh, which we did have in the initial cuts um, with, you know, policy wonks and, and uh, uh, community leaders who have been trying to make change. We, we realized that we had to tell a visceral kind of pure verite through the eyes without commentary through the eyes of those who were living it. Um, and so that's really what we tried to do with our characters rather than cloud our, our vision or the viewer's vision with 
um, different policy facts of, you know, the safe injection center closing or, or the opioid, the methadone trucks not being allowed in certain blocks, right. and why that happened, Republican, Democrat, we wanted to get that all out of the way and say, this is what it's like in these cities. Here are our characters. Right. And it is. It's just that it's stripped down. We're watching people in real time dealing with issues that are in many ways for their them personally intractable issues, things that are not going to go away because somebody wants it to happen. It This, this is a tough slog. And uh, it's a film that really it just kind of strips this whole thing bare for us to watch and really to digest and understand in a much better way. The film won the um, Slamdance Dance grand jury prize for documentary films this uh, this year congratulations for that thank you and i guess we should talk a little bit about daryl gant because he's a he's a unusual character maybe he's not unusual in some sense but he's definitely dedicated to his family he's definitely dedicated to try and make this work to a degree that i don't know how many people would be he certainly seems like he's motivated in ways uh, that would be more than frustrating for most people. Uh, and it's his love for Nani, the woman who he has been with for a long time, and she gives birth to the, their their young son, Darnez. And we we see that. We see her from the beginning of the film without being pregnant, or just as she was becoming pregnant. And then we see Darnez as a young boy. So you worked on this for, what, three or four years? Is that? Yeah, so I worked on it full-time for about a year and a half, living uh, living right there. And then uh, I came back to try to raise some funds and I was hired for off and on for a year. So I'd go for the weekends and then came back for another six months after I left that job. So about two and a half years off and on. Finding Daryl um, was, I mean, it's key to the film. And I assume it was in your mind, probably you've, you felt like you found that that sort of that anchor for the film in some ways. Uh, I don't know how much you know when you're filming something like this, that you know all of how it's going to end up in terms of the telling of the story, but I'm sure in some way you must have felt like this is a great character to be focused on. Is that fair? Yeah, I knew, yeah definitely. I knew that right away when I met Daryl. Um, I mean, he, he not only, you know, he's charismatic, he's well-spoken, he likes to talk, but it was more than that. I knew that, I mean, he comes off almost as a narrative character. You know, he's this handsome guy who he, on the surface, uh, you know, if you saw him in the supermarket, you you probably would not take much notice of him. And then you dive in and you know, you, you learn that he's been dealing with this issue of Nani, you know, running to the streets for 10 years. And she's pregnant with their their unborn baby as she uses drugs and, and works the streets. I saw him immediately, you're right, as this kind of larger than life character that could drive a narrative thread. Um, and I, I did. So I did pull on my background from whether it was creative writing or uh, even took a screenwriting class. Um, I did pull on this kind of narrative. The, what is the balance between narrative and documentary? Um, and I played with that in the edit, especially where um, there are scenes in the movie where it could be narrative, not scripted, not forced, but this kind of not even fly on the wall, but it's like even a pure form of, of this verite where the characters almost forget that I'm there. And yeah. I'd say almost because as soon as the camera turns on and as soon as I'm there, of course, something changes, but I was able to make that change as small as possible so that there are these scenes that almost could be narrative, uh, narrative in nature. Yeah. Well, and they speak to one another 
for a good part of the film, Nani and, and Daryl, uh, as if the camera's not there. And there's this brutal honesty that takes place in terms of Nani's uh, addiction to opioids, to heroin. And the honesty is one level, it's there, she's being exceedingly honest with him. But on another level, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that she would do this. And she is obviously completely self-aware of it. So for someone watching who has never gone through anything like this, an addiction like this, I felt myself conflicted in watching, like, how could you possibly not understand how important it is for you to stop doing this? So yeah. there is, there, there's that dynamic in the film. Yeah, and it was frustrating for me being there uh, as a filmmaker, but also as a human. And it, it lent itself well to the post process, but I also felt this frustration of, like just like wanting to shake her like yeah. what do you mean you like you have an amazing uh man with an amazing job who's willing to give up everything for you as he's shown the last 10 years you've got this beautiful somehow healthy baby boy and she just couldn't and so during the filming process i felt this frustration and i, I did not have as i'm sure the viewers experienced I had this deep frustration, but I did not have a lot of hope. Daryl, however, did. Um, and so that was important in the post process to kind of separate myself from what I was experiencing while I was filming to what would show Daryl's hopeful side and give this, even if it's an ounce of, uh, I don't want to say humanity, but to make Nani lovable in the littlest you know, she's a hard character love. She really is. Yeah. Um, but she, those, that scene with, you know, the ice cream sandwich where I would stay home with uh, Nani and the baby and Dale would go to work. Yeah. She was trying. She really was. She was trying to be a mother. She was trying to pull out and, and pull, pull out of this, this nosedive. And Daryl's plan, as Nani says in the movie, was Daryl uh, hoped that if she had a baby, she would, it would touch her heart and she would be able to right. leave her addiction. Now, I did not have much hope as the process went on and Nani repeated this behavior. And as you know, Daryl obviously knew it had been going on for 10 years. He did have this hope that she would pull out of it uh, that frankly, I didn't share. It, it seemed, you know, the end with she, the program lady came and talked to her. It, it was the best it had ever seemed, according to Daryl. Like the opportunity was right there for her to do it. So, you know, the end, and I won't give away too much, but uh, the end was a very frustrating edit and a very frustrating filming experience. Well, um, I was just going to say, yeah, thank you. Because I was just going to say that, just going to say what you just said. And that is, as hard as it is for me, the viewer, to watch what was happening in the lives of Daryl and Nana and Darnez, it must have been for somebody to sit there day after day after day and, and sort of kind of know how this is going to go every day that you're filming her uh it must have been really hard for for you and uh and wow well the film is it's like i said it's an award-winning film it won the uh grand jury prize a documentary uh at the slam dance film festival in 2020 find out more about the film at higherlovefilm.com we will have the chance to see it starting november 3rd on VOD and digital platforms like iTunes, Amazon, Apple TV, Google Play, Fandango, and others. Is that is all pretty accurate, right? Yeah, okay. it's all accurate. Um, we we also 
post a lot on our social media, our Instagram in particular, which is uh, Higher Love Film. Uh, we, we, we left a lot on the cutting room floor, a lot of kind of tidbits and BTS and a lot of myself trying to become a filmmaker in this guerrilla Robert Rodriguez fashion. So yeah, head over to the Instagram or um, the uh, website and uh, it's, it's actually available now for pre-order and then it releases across all platforms on November 3rd, as you that's said. Fant- that's fantastic. The film is Higher Love and we've been talking to the director, producer, cinematographer and a very willing student, a very apt student, apparently very good at, at, at learning things. And that would be Hassan Oswald. Hassan, thank you so much for being here for this film. And I hope you'll come back when you have another uh, project ready for the world. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.